Welcome to the Cloudonics CX Verse podcast. In this series, we are exploring everything related to customer experience. Hello, everyone. It's Eric from Cloudonics here with this week's edition of the CX Verse. Today, I'm joined with Venus. I'm going to. I'm not going to try your name because it's, it's long and complicated. So, can you please introduce yourself and? where you come from. Of course, my name is, uh, like my mother would like me to say, Venus Victoria. I am from Monterrey, Mexico. And in Mexico, if you don't use your two last names, then it's not your full name. So my mom always smiles when I say my full name, including my middle name. Um, I, I live in Austin, Texas. I've been here 29 years. And I am dedicated to culture change and diversity, equity, and inclusion. So thank you for having me here today, Eric. Thank you for joining us. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how diversity and inclusion helps with the customer experience. And I suspect some of the stories that we'll discuss are going to be helps with customer experience for the customer, but also for the person providing the experience or for the company. Because the more you have, the better it is for everyone. Absolutely. You know, something that was interesting for me to reflect on is when people talk about customer experience, they tend to think about it as something that you are providing from your organization perspective towards the outside. But typically the employee experience and the customer experience tend to be one and the same because the the culture that you create in your organization is and that that your um, your internal customers, let's put it that way, are are feeling is what they tend to give out to your customers. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, having that internal culture of inclusivity creates the ability for you to provide that inclusive customer experience towards the outside, towards your customers as well. And internally, I'm sure the first thing that comes to people's mind is going to be human resources. But the reality is that kind of inclusivity and discussion goes everything from tech support to accounting to all of the departments that have to interact between people because the more you understand the other person, the better you can interact together. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, when I think about um, an inclusive culture, the HR life cycle, like you mentioned, is, is very, very critical. We, we can't uh, underestimate how important the hiring, the interviewing, the performance evaluations, all of those things that are part of the HR life cycle um, impact someone. But then in addition, there's like all these other things like, who do you give assignments to? How do you select people that you give your assignments to? Which not doesn't necessarily fall into like the the HR what typically is considered as HR or um, who do you invite to the meetings that matter right when you look around the table who was invited who wasn't invited and then of those that are in the meeting who is speaking up and who is not speaking up who is speaking first who's speaking last so there's so many aspects of the of an inclusive culture that go way beyond the HR life cycle that, of course, I think starts at the top with, uh, with the, the people that lead the company, but it's got to be both, right, not only from the leader's 
setting out in paper, like, well, this is, this is, these are our values. And then it's kind of from the mouth out. I think that's what you say in Mexico, but it's actually internalized. Like what is culture? Culture is the way people behave when nobody's watching. And so that goes from the top to the middle to sideways all across the organization, whether it's a flat organization, a hierarchical organization, what are people saying? What do people reward? Uh, what do they understand that is rewarded? Is, you know, diverging points of view welcome? Are, are they welcome? Are they not? Uh, what happens when somebody disagrees? How do you give negative uh, feedback? Like all these different things that really are ingrained in the culture. And I, I always tie it back to customer engagement or customer experience because how people feel is how people act. Very much so. And what we were discussing before we started the call, this starts with partially where people come from and what they absorbed as children and how they either grow beyond that or go forward. So you were starting to tell me a story. So I'd like to ask you to do that now, actually, while we're recording. Yes, of course. So when I when I talk about um, inclusion, and of course, diversity and equity are, are very important, but I always start with inclusion because it's inclusion is the ability to really um, bring everyone into the conversation, allow everyone to do the best that they can in any given context. And you know, if you ask people like, tell me a time where you felt excluded and you take a moment to reflect, it's always so painful. Like you can never give your best when you're excluded. So I always start with inclusion. And the way that I see inclusion and having the ability to look at all the different types of diversity is kind of like a camera where the aperture of the camera opens a little bit and it lets a little bit of light in and then you're able to see more and then you can open it a little bit more. And so the story that you're you're mentioning, um, I was speaking with someone recently about their own experience of being able to relate to people that were different than him. This particular person came from a small town in East Texas, and he was saying, quite frankly, I, I grew up in an environment that was very racist. And my family was also had the kind of that approach to life where people are different and you treat them differently because of their accent or their uh, ethnicity or et cetera. And so that's all he knew. And then he went to college and he, uh, during college, he worked at a restaurant and he said in that restaurant, I had all my colleagues that were from all different parts and all different ethnicities. And specifically he was talking about um, uh, Hispanics and Latinas and Latinos. And he's like, so we were in that environment and we were all experiencing, you know, the, uh, angry customer or the crazy manager, or like we were just all having to react and behave according to what was happening. And, and through that process, I was being able to see like, Hey, we're all humans. We all, we shared jokes. We shared food. We shared our experiences. We shared what was happening with that crazy manager or the angry customer and through being able to experience the, uh, I'm going to repeat it, but experience the human experience, I was able to see like, hey, we're all 
more alike than we are different. And that created the first part of that aperture in me. So I started to reconsider and look back at how I have been brought, how I had been brought up, my community, my, my society, and start to look at, well, why did I think this or that about this particular group of, of people or that other particular group of people? And so that beginning aperture is for him, it made the whole difference. Right now, he is a, an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. He works in financial services in a very large bank. And he's like, I see the world completely different. But it took me being willing to get to know to people that were different than me, able to listen deeply with empathy without um, putting my preconceptions or my own preferences or unconscious biases as, as the lens, and then really being able to change my behavior accordingly to get to where he is today, being this amazing advocate. So I love that story because we all have a choice, right? But it all begins with being able to connect at a human level and as individuals. My understanding is, is very little children have none of it, and they kind of absorb it from the environment. I seem to recall there was a song where you, you need to be carefully taught to hate the people your parents hate. I think that was from South Pacific, the play. And, and they go through this whole song where you have to go through. And it's like, it, it's a problem because little kids do not see differences. They just see another person. And at some point between five years old and college, they've completely absorbed whatever positive or negative things that they've had done around them and it's very important that we kind of give them the right opportunities to get positive options not just negative well it's it's interesting that you talk about uh, the socialization of a human being because i actually think the socialization starts much 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 earlier think about you know your two and a half year old watching uh, Disney or Nick Jr. or whatever. In the past, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the characters in it might have um, behaved in a way where a specific trait or a specific culture was rewarded and was a hero. And um, a different characteristic was the villain or, or the witch. And so all of these messages come, they come from what people are watching on TV, they come from the conversations, they come from the parental attitudes, they come from the music, right? And it's when I when I think when I think about and I speak about bias, by what is bias? Like people sometimes see it as a scary word, like bias is a preference. What is your preference towards or against something? Right? Prejudice is when you put actions together with your preference and when it, it can, it harms a, an individual or a group of individuals. So I think that this socialization, it's, it's really, really, really difficult to combat. And so we, we hear a lot about unconscious bias training and whether it's effective or whether it's not effective. And I think that the, 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 the jury is still out. I think that people are continuing to try to develop different approaches to make it stick. But because we're so deeply socialized, you can have awareness of your biases. And I love this saying where it's like, what matters is not your first thought, 
but it's your second thought and your first action because you can still have biases, but what you do is what matters. And, and I, I, since I love organizations, I, I grew up in organizations and, and I, I really believe you can change the world if you change organizational cultures. I know it's a, a big, big statement, but I, I fully believe in it. But when you think about organizations and you think about unconscious biases and the fact that they're so hard to change, you have the people, the process, and the technology. And what you can do is make sure that the moments that matter are as bias-free as they can be. And when it comes to customer experience, there's so many moments that matter. Like, well, what is your standard operating procedure when a customer comes to you with a complaint? And having the awareness like, well, I know that when I hear an accent, I tend to think that maybe this person is cognitively impaired. So you have the awareness, but then you have your standard operating procedure and your scripts that remind you before you get on a call. Like there's many ways to interrupt biases, but you make sure that your scripts are written in a way where you understand that an accent does not impair cognitive function. And so you treat the person in a way that is inclusive. And so there's a lot of moments that matter that you can identify in your organization and in your customer interactions so that they're as bias-free as possible. Even if I work with my unconscious biases every day and I see them and, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to get rid of them completely, although this is my line of work and I'm very passionate about it, but I, I see them and again, my second action is what I try to focus on and not judge myself too harshly when I realize that I've had that prejudice thought uh, before it takes a form into action. Yes. And unfortunately, there may be multiple layers of biases that people have to become aware of because there's gender bias, there is race and skin color or accent, there's people Wait. with special needs or disability weights, glasses. Yes. The, the, I, the, the, the list is quite, I hate to say it, the list is quite inclusive, <laughs> even if the people are, are using it as an exclusivity kind of method. And mm -hmm. uh, all too recently in the news, you had a, a story that came out over this past weekend where people were going to do all appraisals of houses where the two uh, people were of different races. And they were coming up with different appraisal values for the exact same house, depending on who answered the door. And this kind of bias is a horrible thing because it, it really affects people's lives greatly. So if the person answering the door happens to be black, so therefore you uh, automatically knock 50000 off of the price of the house, that affects them in countless ways. Mm -hmm. And it makes no perfect sense because it's the same house. Mm -hmm. And we need to find ways to get past all of these biases, gender, uh, sexual orientation, religion, unfortunately, these days, political party. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the biases are out there on all sorts of topics down to, oh, they're wearing a red hat or they're wearing a blue hat. And these kinds of things need to be aware. You need to be aware of them to be able to work with it. Mm -hmm. And all too many people are currently, because it's been such a in-your-face topic recently, they've got a knee-jerk reaction of, no, 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 it can't be, I don't, and they don't want to hear it. And mm -hmm. once you've shut that down, you've just made it worse. 
Well, it's a feeling of, of us versus them, right? It's a feeling that we are different in essence because we have different, like you mentioned, there's probably 28 kinds of diversity dimensions that I can, that I can uh, just rattle off. You mentioned quite a few of them. But yes, they're going back to unconscious bias. There was this experiment with the symphonies in the 1950s. Are you familiar with, with that? Yes, I, I recall something about this one. Yeah. Um, um, so in a nutshell, basically, they the, in the 1950s or so, most of the symphonies were majority men. And the thought process was, well, it's because they have more talent than women. And so they started doing blind auditions where there was a screen behind the audition, the person doing the audition and the people selecting the musicians. It improved a little bit, but not as much. And then they realized that as people were walking onto, onto the stage, you could hear typically whether it was male shoes or women shoes. And so then they made it so everyone walked on barefoot. And if you look at now, I think the, the, the main uh, philharmonic orchestras in New York and Boston, they are almost half and half men and women. But something had to be done procedurally so that there was equity in, in the way in which people were being hired to be musicians, right? People think sometimes, well, talent is talent is talent. Yes, talent is talent, but who is judging the talent is what really influences. Who is judging that house appraisal? Who is doing that house appraisal and, and judging how much it's worth? So there's, again, moments that matter. There are moments that matter that create inequity in our communities and our organizations, or that you can interrupt to start building more equitable processes that can really lift everyone. And again, this is not about excluding anyone. It's about being able to include in not only the seen dimensions of diversity, but the unseen dimensions of diversity. And because people often think, well, oh yeah, diversity means, are you a man or woman? Are you Hispanic, black, white? Are you tall, fat? No, but what about generational diversity? right? I'm from, the, from Gen X. And as I started um, 10 years ago, managing millennials and, and Gen Zers, it was, uh, blew my mind. It was sometimes a little bit harder than it was for me to manage global teams that were in Malaysia and India and Slovakia. And sometimes the unseen dimensions of diversity, they're kind of invisible landmines that you step on conti continuously because you don't think about that diversity. So again, it's it's all about being aware, being willing, listening, and then having the courage to make the changes where you see that the changes are required. Which sometimes is difficult because you can change yourself. But as you say, changing the organization is a whole lot more complicated. It is. And I'm going to say it is. And at the same time, sometimes it's really easy because Behavior in, in, in an organization can be very, expectations for behavior can be really clearly outlined. And if you are able to put the attention in your organization to define what your values are, to outline what are the, the systems of rewards for people that meet your values and behave in the way that is expected, 
and you have a, a, a very effective way to communicate what these expected behaviors are, the change that you can have and the impact that you can have with small tweaks, I think is very large. But like, I think what you said, it, it's complex. And because there's so much to do, there's very low hanging fruit that can have a lot of impact. So just starting with defining your expected behavior and enforcing it can take you so much further in creating the organizational readiness to do the harder things that need to come on top of it. What I was thinking is, is it's hard to get everybody on board with acknowledging there's a problem that needs to be fixed because they have to get past their own unconscious biases. So yeah, maybe going after the low hanging fruit and starting to make certain things possible helps make awareness to make improvement that it becomes kind of a positive feedback cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then it's a little bit of a snowball effect, right? So people start behaving in an inclusive way. People start becoming more diverse, accepted, accepting, accepting Spanish is my native language. So sometimes when I haven't had enough coffee, <laughs> my Spanish makes my, so people become more accepting of many dimensions of diversity. They become aware of what those might be. And then they behave in a different way. People respond to them in a different way. Again, they behave in a, in a more inclusive way with customers. And as I was thinking about our conversation today, Eric, I think the, um, I love sayings. Everyone knows I'm like an 85-year-old grandmother in a 50-year-old woman because <laughs> sayings are my way to communicate. But there's this saying, right, that says people forget what you said or what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And when you are with a with a customer and you make them feel like their experience matters, their opinion matters, they are so much more likely to cut you some slack if you know you had a, issues with your service or with your product. And they actually become advocates because they feel like they are connected to your organization, to your product, to your service. And so again, those small tweaks and how we relate to each other internally and with our customers can have um, gargantuan effects. I, I'm gonna say it even to your bottom line, right? Happy customers always improve your bottom line. <laughs> if you make somebody feel the way you're describing, like if they feel like they matter and you actually cared and you actually tried to help them, they will tell their friends. And that that's, it's impossible to count how great that can be the positive reinforcement that comes with new customers, new experiences, new opportunities, just from a one good customer. What do they call it now? Net promoter score. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Star Trek. Okay. Thumb goes out. <laughs> the, newest, the newest series strange new worlds had a perfect example of what you're describing where they're looking to bring on a new culture a new planet into the federation and eventually they say why should we join and the captain who's negotiating looks at them and go you shouldn't what's in it for you you're going to get trouble you're going to get fights you're going to have to deal with all this other stuff just for being affiliated with us and it's really going to be difficult in exchange for all the other things that we've already told you are great economics, technology, and everything. And they walk out of the room and they go, thank you. Walk out of the room and the admiral is looking at him like, what did you just do? Did you just scare them away? 
And as they go, they start raising the flag of the Federation that they're joining because all they wanted was somebody to understand their point of view and take them seriously. And that's such an important concept, both with employees and with customers. Uh, and unfortunately, customers these days, especially at the restaurant example you gave, customers have no patience. And it's really difficult for them to feel any empathy for the serving staff. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But we have to start somewhere and we can start with that in our companies, how we deal with customers, how we deal with employees, how we deal with, like you said, it, it's 30 plus different dimensions of inclusion. Most people will start with one or two. Do you have a woman on the board? What is your women in, or uh, people of color hiring? How do you handle people mm -hmm. with different sexual orientations or religious? And you have to slowly work through the list because realistically, you're not hiring one of all 30 of those all at the same time. So you have to be ready to handle that. And taking another fictional example, the fantasy stories of Discworld by Terry Pratchett, mm -hmm. where eventually the police force has, in spite of the prejudices that the man in charge has, they have a troll, they have a werewolf, they have a vampire, and solely all of these cultural examples, which are being used to point out the stereotypes that we have to deal with, are accepted. And the answer basically is, are you a cop or not a cop? I don't care what you were before you walked in that door. You've joined the team, you're part of the team, and it doesn't matter. And that's what has to happen. Mm -hmm. And we're a long way from that. But like the Star Trek, I'd like to see that we're moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think just starting with, with the, the most critical and essential things, you were talking about um, having patience with each other when you go to... Uh, a place where you are receiving a service or a product. That's why I said you can change the world by changing organizational cultures because we're all, we all belong to a, an organization in some way or, or form or fashion. And if you create that approach to having empathy, to listening, uh, to connecting, then it just kind of goes out in, in waves in everyone that you touch. I, I'm going to share a little personal thing. I have an 11 year old going on 21 and <laughs> um, I, I, and I, I am a meditator. Actually, I'm also a mediator, but people get those confused, but I'm both. But my approach to life is that you can't fight darkness with darkness. The only way you can fight darkness is by bringing light into a place where there is darkness. And so my 11-year-old going on 21, we were on, on the way to drop her off to school and she's like, but mom, that doesn't make any sense. How are you going to stop a war by being nice? You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to fight against them. And we went into a very abstract, theoretical uh, concept where Yes, when it comes down to like very specific things, there's things about not accepting, like in, in her school, you can't accept cyberbullying or any kind of other bullying and you need to stand up, you need to have the courage. And it's like the first rule of improv, it's yes, and you need to change internally who you are because that is the light that you bring into every interaction. And that is where the seed is planted, where things start snowballing. You need to be inclusive internally. You need to be aware of your own preferences. 
you need to develop the ability to listen empathetically. But all of those skills are things that the good thing is they can be taught. The bad thing is not everyone has gotten to the point of really appreciating why they're so important to the world, to your families, to your businesses, to your profit margin, to everything. And so I try to explain to her a little bit about what I mean by bringing light into darkness versus trying to fight it with more with more darkness. I think we have another few years of conversations before we we uh, we're able to understand <laughs> uh, um, the same concept. And it, it, and she might never agree with me, which is fine. But at least <laughs> understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> You're in for the more interesting years now that she's just becoming becoming eighteen, and what that means, and the conflict, and the understanding, and the frustrations. Yes. They're yeah. going to be more all around her and in, internal and yes. Um. <laughs> she is my customer. She is my ultimate customer. And I, I always tell my husband, we are here to please our children. He's from France. So he's culturally, he comes from more more because I said so. And kids are, are to be seen and not heard kind of approach. And I'm like, no, our children are our most important customers. We've got to find ways to, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's it's more than please, like surprise them and, and engage them in positive ways because ultimately that's the relationship that matters to me the most, you know, that connection that I have with them. And hopefully they can take it out to the world as well. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> The ripple effect and paying it forward are, are incredible concepts here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're getting close to time now. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just thank you for, for having me. This has been a, a really fun conversation and I'm happy to, we, we, we touched on so many subjects. I'm happy to continue the conversation on, on any of them in the future. Thank you. I, I may take you up on that for future podcasts. So thank Beautiful. you again. And have a good rest of the day. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the CX Verse. Please sign up to learn about future episodes. We are looking for feedback and new speakers, so please be in touch.